yes, it's super important to like keep it simple, keep it organic, don't overcomplicate it, like don't put all eggs in one basket, right? But also dare to invest in it. Welcome to another episode of A Slice of SaaS. I'm your host, Andreas Kongstad. And on today's episode, we'll dive into the world of partner programs with Emilia Yanis from OneFlow. OneFlow is a tool that simplifies the process of creating, signing, and managing contracts. And Emilia is the architect behind its partner program. So tune in as Emilia shares her insights on the importance of leveraging your network, aligning expectations with partners, and creating advocates for your product. If you're looking to accelerate your company's growth through partnerships, this episode is definitely a must listen. So let's jump right in. So in uh, your opinion, Amelia, should every company, like every SaaS company have a partner program? Yes, 100%. It's my simple, simple, short answer to that question. Yeah. (laughs) So let's elaborate a little bit. Like, why do you think that is? No, but I think, you know, not leveraging your network. So the ecosystem around you, your customers, the the people, you know, friends, family, uh, in order to grow your company at a faster pace and get happier customers that in my in my world is just plain stupid. So I think independently of where you are in your growth journey, I think leveraging that ecosystem you have to start doing it as soon as you possibly can. I really like that word leverage because I think a lot of people miss out a little bit. Like it's actually what you mentioned, like actually being able to leverage like, you know, your contacts, customers, all that kind of stuff. How have you kind of leveraged partners at OneFlow? Like, so what have you been doing there to kind of, uh, you know, get things moving a bit faster? No, but I think uh, the partner program at OneFlow started very organically as for most boss companies. And in the beginning, I, the it was very reactive. So it was driven from uh, customer requests or prospect requests. And it started with more or less only technical or, or integration partners to be able to sell to a specific segment or a customer group or just to um, get faster time to value or just to be relevant really in, in conversations with, with customers and prospects. Yeah, started very reactive. And that kind of prompted us to have the discussions around, okay, so now so we have the integration in place, but how can we leverage this to gain more customers faster and maybe also help our partner on the other side grow a bit by, you know, leveraging the technical integration and the relationship that we're kind of, you know, building as uh, we're creating this technical integration. That's how it started here at OneFlow. Like it's quite typical, like when uh, when you're starting up, like uh, as a startup, you're growing and you're just kind of being a bit reactive in the beginning. I guess that's quite common and you kind of figure things out as you go along. So with that, like how did, like where did it start? Like how did you kind of, when you just got started with it, because I know a lot of companies, they kind of have a partner program or they're doing a little bit of affiliate partner stuff like that, but they're not really, I would say like spending a lot of time on it uh, or not enough to actually make it worthwhile. And they might then kind of disqualify it as something that is not for them or that is not a big part of their growth strategy. So to say, I believe they're missing out a lot, as you mentioned there with finding the leverage, but what is your opinion there? Like, are people missing out? Like you said, everyone should have a partner program, but diving a little bit deeper into that one. No, but the way that we see it here at OneFlow and sort of my also a personal strong belief is that it's a revenue stream as important as outbound or inbound. So like asking me that question, should you have a partner program? Is like, should a SaaS company have a marketing department? Should you do marketing to get inbound leads? Yes, you should. Yes, you should have a marketing department to 
uh, yes, you should have a partnership team to get partner leads and reduce that nearbound revenue stream. That's how we view it here at OneFlow. It's, it's just another revenue stream. We have sales doing outbound, we have marketing doing inbound, and we have partners doing nearbound to use a very modern new term. Yeah, what's that? Yeah, nearbound. I think it was uh, a partner hacker or partner stack and uh, reveal that kind of founded that term. I think it's just a spin off of inbound and outbound. It's just a fun, fun new word, but we're, we started adapting it a lot here at OneFlow, and I kind of like it makes it easier to understand also the connection between the different revenue channels uh, using nearbound as terminology rather than partnerships, because partnerships could be so many things. It means different things for different people. There's a lot of SaaS companies out there calling all of their clients partners rather than paying customers. So that kind of confuses things. So I think using the terminology nearbound clarifies things. So you would say that they're kind of the same thing? Or how would you, if you would explain uh, the concept nearbound to me, like what it is in a bit more detail, that would be really interesting because I've heard it, but I haven't been diving so deep into it. Uh, so always keen to learn about the new, the latest buzzwords. Yeah, so I, I think that the the actual sort of formal explanation on what nearbound revenue is, leveraging the power of your ecosystem. So the companies, you know, close to you, near to you, to influence the entire revenue funnel from lead acquisition to customer retention. That for me is is nearbound in a nutshell. And going into partners again there, because I, I do fully agree like that having a partner program, like even if it's maybe not the first thing you do, like when you're two people, you're just getting started, like that really depends on what what leverage do you have when you get started and you know, build on that. But one thing there, like once you have it, I would say like actually activating partners. I know that that's something that you've been talking a lot about being kind of customer first, thinking about partners and how you can work together to, towards a common goal. Uh, but I still know that that's something that is, I mean, it's difficult internally to do it, like with employees, with different teams to have one goal from like product, sales, marketing, doing that with partners, that feels really difficult. Uh, or what do you say? Yes and no, I think. I think it's something that a lot of partner managers miss out on. And, and I think it, it comes from a very sort of human aspect of uh, uh, in us all that is, you know, driven by sort of my own agenda and trying to apply my goals and my OKRs and my KPIs on my partner is never going to work. I need to be a really, really good listener and understand in depth my partner's drivers and goals and KPIs and OKRs and apply that to our partnership. Because if, if I can't prove to the partner how our partnership is going to help them reach their goals, it's going to be really difficult to have a partner that wants to be an advocate for my my company or my product. I think that that's probably the most important work you do as a partner manager is in-depth sitting down, listening, understanding my partner's business goals and translating that to our partnership and then you know showing the partner how our partnership will help them reach their goals. Yeah, I think that thing you mentioned with it's so, so important, like with like don't apply your targets on the partner also because they're going to feel it. Like if you communicate with your partners and all you care about is how the partner can help you close your number or get your number, 
they're going to shine through and it's not going to feel that you actually care. They're just going to be feeling like some kind of a means to an end that it is there because I might be able to make some money from it. And I think that's, I've definitely had that kind of partner programs that I've been involved in. Uh, and it's not the kind of engagement that works the best. Uh, in, no, and in I mean, the, the sort of human aspect that I talked about, the sort of egotistical side of things is always going to be there, right? So my goals, me <laughs> and my business is always going to be what's the most important for me. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, uh, I'm on the, the sort of uh, uh, partner side or on the owner side of things. It's, so you have to try and sort of, translate your own agenda to fit with the partner's agenda. And I think with that as well, so looking below, like uh, or kind of one step further past the kind of the goals, of course, and like what in terms of like kind of expectations that is and so of course, if you have a partner program, there is no expectations from either end. Again, I don't think it's kind of a good partner program. So how do you find a like a way to do that in a good way and, and kind of formalize it. So you know it, but the team also know it, like all the partner reps know it and the, the different partners know it as well. Like that kind of expectation setting bit. Yeah, we've tried a few different approaches here. For the longest time, we tried to make it part of the contract to actually, you know, have an open discussions about about it really, really early on in the partnership. That did not really work out super well for us because it was a bit premature uh, to have those kind of discussions. We hadn't really tried out the partnership, so so it all became very hypothetical. Like, uh, yeah, okay, sure, okay. this is what we would like to, but we have no idea of how connected these expectations are to what we're actually going to get out of it. It's like building a sales process before you actually sold something exactly. and trying to, yeah. Exactly. So I think, you know, the first step is, of course, qualifying the partner. Do you think, I mean, that's step one in order to align on goals, right? Because if you bring in a partner that is not, should not be qualified to be in your partner program, then you're never going to align on goals. So that's, you know, a good qualification process is key. And then I think you just, iterate don't make it too complicated like too complicated don't overdo it with goals keep it simple and transparent as you say like have a shared document where you both can input it could be simple things like to-do lists or uh, just like a timeline this is what we want to do within the first six months of this partnership and it could be anything from you know a technical onboarding with the consultants to uh, a LinkedIn post and closing our first joint customer to something way more sort of detailed and fine-grained. Uh, but I think that's my tip and something that I would probably do different if I could redo my own partner program. Like, don't overcomplicate it. Keep it simple and just make sure that you talk about it in every conversation. You, you have that document. I have a little template in the team uh, where we do all communication and anything from sort of lead sharing and kickback uh, reports to do lists and timelines. And I had uh, we have that as a shared doc with everybody uh, at the partners and you bring it up in all conversations all the time. So you're, we're aligned on on what we're doing here. But you're also going for more like um, less partners, not as much volume. Right. So that would be kind of your approach is my understanding, like less volume. Uh, and more closer relationships with fewer. Again, I think it depends on the partner type. I think that there is sense in doing qu quantity over quality for certain partners. Like if you want to go for affiliate, my personal opinion is that I think that, you know, that's inflation in affiliate partner programs. I don't really think that they have any effect anymore. I don't think that it fits with the, how 
companies buy things these days. Uh, I don't think affiliate market um, partnerships is valuable. I mean, sure, can bring some brand awareness maybe, and you know, it's a it's a good marketing channel. But from a partnership perspective, mm, don't know. But yeah, sure, like very simple referral partner program. That's all about you know getting as many leads into the funnel as you possibly can. Should keep it simple, like don't. But there, I don't think that aligning on goals is what is going to make the partnership a success or not. I think that that is way more qualifying the partner, making sure that you align on ICPs and that you're always top of mind with a partner. That's how you're going to increase the quantity of leads from your referral partners. But if you're talking, uh, you know, deeper relationship, more qualitative partnerships, alignment, transparency, uh, keeping it simple and really understanding each other's businesses, especially, you know, me as a partner program owner, understanding my partner's business. No, it's definitely interesting with uh, what you mentioned there with uh, the affiliate, because I can I can definitely see that. Like we are affiliate with a few different things, but that's we're not really doing anything with it. It's more like, oh, yeah, it's free to sign up. Maybe we get someone every now and then. So for at least in my experience, like we've only actually leveraged the partnerships where it's building on our business. So it's something that would enhance the services for our customers is something that they would actually be able to use. And that makes sense for our specific business case. And then in those cases, having a partner that can really help you understand how to sell it, how to position it. And as you mentioned there with the ICP, like what should we look out for uh, when kind of potentially positioning, for example, OneFlow as a, as a solution that really helps just understanding what it is and how to use it and where to position it. So I think that close collaboration and yeah, having expectations aligned, it's super, super, super important. Question on that though, what's your opinion on like when in terms of expectations, like some partner programs you have to pay for and some you don't, some partner programs you get the tool for free, some places you get the tool, but you have to pay for it. Like what's your take on that? Like what, like how do you think is the best way to do it? If there is such a thing? Yeah, I don't know. If there's a simple answer to this, I think it feels very old school to have partners pay for your partner program. It feels like something, you know, the old enterprise companies in the mid 90s started doing to, I guess, get partners to show dedication, show that they, you know, meant it by actually paying this fee. It doesn't have to be a high fee, but just showing that we're we're in it, we're we're meeting business. And that for me feels very old school. I think having a monetary part to a partnership is important, but it should be based off of uh, results rather than just a flat fee for, for being part of the partner program. But sure, it could I could see businesses where it made sense, but then that would be the less, you know, quantity over quality kind of partner programs where it would make, make sense in, in, in my world. As far as sort of, you know, paying for the tool or getting it for free, that is also like depends, right? Depends on the partner, how strategically important this is. One thing that we talked about in, like before this uh, recording was how you get partners to become advocates for your solution. And there, I think, you know, the usage is one thing that ties really closely into that. And I guess like how important is it for me to have this partner as an advocate for my tool? And that's kind of what's going to decide 
whether or not it's important what I also invoice this partner or if it's the actual usage that I'm after. But again, I also think that it can make sense to charge your partner for using your tool to show that they mean business, that they're in it and that they also kind of believe in the solution uh, because at the end of the day, they're going to recommend my solution to to their customers. Right. So I would love for them to show me that they also love my tool. Right. But I think it's there's no uh, one answer fits all here. I think it's going to be case by case evaluation. I think also what you talked about before, like not trying to overcomplicate it, not trying to predict everything and know everything from day one, because you're most likely going to have some things right and a lot of things wrong when you get started. So having a good hypothesis, like what it's aligned with what we think it should be and starting with that, with a clear hypothesis, and then also being ready to say like, well, that was right. That was wrong. And also what you mentioned there, and yeah, we talked about before, I, I thought either you were going to talk about your favorite color, which I also asked you, or that, but yeah, I think that was a question that makes a little bit more sense. Uh, that was just where my head went first. But the whole advocate thing there as well, it's difficult. Let's actually go into that a bit with uh, with the advocates. So say that I'm a new partner, like you're starting a new partner program, I'm a new partner that comes in, like what would be your strategy as a partner manager, knowing what you know now? A really good way to to do that. I know it's going to be a lot of different things that plays into that, but what would be some things that you would be doing to try to turn someone into, into an advocate? You mentioned tool usage, but let's just have it as an open uh, conversation and see where, where it takes us. Yeah. No, but I think that first off, you need to make the partner excited about your product, right? So we're talking about partner programs from a sauce kind of perspective. So if the partner or the potential partner is not excited about your product, it's going to be difficult to build off of something, right? But I mean, usually when you initially discuss a potential partnership with a partner, you're discussing it with stakeholders that later on will not necessarily impact the success of the partnership. They're only, you know, business owners or decision makers, uh, so I think that the most important thing you can do is to sort of make the relationship as strong as you possibly can by involving multiple teams. So if it's only partner manager to partner manager, the relationship is going to be really, really fragile. And it's going to be very difficult for me as a partner manager to make multiple people within my partner's organization to become advocates at OneFlow. But if I, as a partner manager, involve my customer success team with the sales team at the partners and, you know, my support team with the client solutions team at the partner, or, you know, I involve multiple teams and spread sort of the, the evangelism journey within my organization to the partner then you will create advocates. That's super interesting. Like you mentioned, they were the different. So like looking at the different teams, so how would you say, like, let's say from a sales, then maybe from a marketing and then from potentially kind of a customer success and customer service, like how would you kind of do it in more detail with those different, like in, in the beginning to get some of those kind of quick wins, get some excitement going? Yeah, but so I think, you know, once the contract is signed, because that's, I usually talk about partnerships being reverse sales, getting partners to sign partner contracts, it's fairly easy, something that is very difficult in sales. But then, you know, actually enabling and activating the partnerships, that's where the difficult part comes in, right? But I think using the momentum of, uh, okay, hey, we're now partners, we've signed the contract and actually having a plan for what's happened 
what's going to happen after you sign the contract with the partner is also important. So like we've already scheduled a training session uh, with the sales team. We've already planned a little marketing thing with a LinkedIn post that we're going to, you know, share that and make the partnership official. Uh, like we have a few sort of to do steps that will take place as soon as the contract is is signed and the partnership is activated is super important that also makes the partner invest time in the partnership and involve relevant people so it very naturally for me to then you know introduce my marketing manager to the marketing manager with the partner super i mean i i usually try to bring on a sales rep to an onboarding session with a sales team with my partner because they talk the same language, right? Uh, and it's also in the sales reps' interest to get to know all of the sales reps with my partner to drive leads, to talk about joint projects, to to bring leads to the sales reps at my partners. That's my tip. Early on, try and schedule some activities that quite naturally makes introductions between relevant stakeholders within my organization and my partner's organization. And that's going to create a good foundation for that potential addict. No, I think like what you mentioned there with like connecting people that speak the same language, like a marketer from, from your company, from OneFlow with a potential partner, sales with sales and things like that. So because we can all learn from each other, we can all like leverage each other and it's a new contact. I think there are so many benefits there also for, for every person involved to just learn. And so I think that's such an important part of this. They're really like, you can increase your own skill sets, you can increase your leverage, and there's so many positive things involved in it. So I think that's, it's a really, really important point with that kind of connecting, not just sales. No, and it, and it also creates a really strong partnership because then the relationship is not just dependent on me as a partner manager with whomever I, you know, started up this partnership with at my partners. So independently of what happens with me, like that's for me how a real, I measure a really, really successful partnership is where I can take myself out of the equation and I still have growth. I don't have to do anything. It's a self-moving machinery um, where, you know, sales reps share leads with sales reps, marketing, marketeer to marketeer, they're planning campaigns and events and doing things together because they help each other reach their individual goals. That's when, you know, you have a really successful partnership in place. Do you have a lot of assets and resources that partners can use or do you do it more uniquely per partner and what's your opinion on that like having a bunch of kind of pre-made material that you can relabel things like that again keep it simple like don't overcomplicate it like to be fair i think that uh, sales and marketing material are slightly overrated because uh, uh, people tend to not use it i think you know 10 years ago uh, it was more important than it is now uh, i think it, it can be a support but it tends to be forgotten and it tends to just lie there and it doesn't get updated. So sure, something, but keep it simple. I think that's such an important thing with, with everything we talked about today is just like the kind of keep it simple and do it organically, connect different people. And, you know, you hire smart people, hopefully the partner has some smart people and uh, having some kind of common goals, common expectations and have something you can do together that both benefit from. 
and it doesn't have to be complicated. Like the podcast we have right now, this episode, I mean, that's uh, we are a wonderful partner. I think you guys are doing a lot of good stuff. So we would love to kind of learn from you and speak to you as well. So it's really like an organic thing. So yeah, no, I really think that's incredibly important and more and more important now, as you mentioned as well, as, as time goes on, I think the kind of Yes, it's super important to like keep it simple, keep it organic, don't overcomplicate it, like don't don't put all eggs in one basket, right? But also dare to invest in it. Because if you're a if you're a startup and want to do partnerships and when you want to to start up a partner program, but you don't have a resource to do it, then the timing is off. You need to dare to invest resources to do it. Like you wouldn't start up a sales team and not hire a sales rep. Uh, You wouldn't start up a marketing channel to create inbound leads for you if you didn't have the resources to hire a marketeer. And same with partnerships. Like you can't start up a partner program if you don't have anyone to run it. So that's uh, also like a tip from me is like there to invest the proper resources. Because if you start too organically and just, you know, let everybody kind of own this thing that is nearbound, nothing will happen. Nothing will come out of it. So you have to have some dedicated resources if you want to see results. Yeah, I think that's such an important point as well. Exactly that one, like keeping it, keeping it simple doesn't mean underinvest. It does not mean spending half an hour per week as an afterthought. It means don't make it com- more complicated than you have to, to get started, but you have to invest in it. And as you said in the beginning, like this is a big channel, like you can do, like you can have how many people do you have? You have four, I think uh, one floor, right? Or how many? We're five, 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 five. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's, and, and HubSpot, they probably have a hundred people, yeah. but so it's like, you can probably have a ton of people. Like it's, it's not realistic to have one person doing this 5% of their time and thinking it's going to be anything. It has to be, I would say like at least one person to get started for you to actually get results from it. It can't be a 50% position or maybe it can, but I don't think it's, then you're not really like, then you're kind of in the, how do you say you're not in the deep side of the pool you're just there touching the water a little bit or some really bad example that I couldn't think about. Yeah, but th- I mean, then you have to adjust your expectations, right? So if you have mm. one person doing it 50% of the time, you're going to get 50% of the results. So, and I think as a SaaS company that what you should be working towards is having nearbound be 30% of your revenue. So, I mean, that speaks for itself, right? If it's a third of your income, you should have a third of your commercial workforce working on it. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, some really good points here and some uh, some a little bit controversial. I wonder if everyone agrees with that affiliate thing, but... Uh, <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> no, no, I mean, like, we're, I mean, the thing is, you know, we're all talking about our experiences, right, from our perspective. So, and I, I do like people having uh, specific takes because it makes life a lot more interesting. So we, we touched on it a little bit before, uh, like if you would redo it, like you mentioned simplifying and starting like not complicating things. Is there other things like knowing what you know now that you would do differently if you could go back? You can, of course, but if you could. Uh, yeah, but I think it ties into what we've already been been discussing. I Because uh, I mean, as I said, you know, I've been here for a really long time and, and we've always worked with partners during my eight years here at OneFlow. We always worked with partners, but it started out as an afterthought and we didn't have dedicated resources for it. We still said we had a partner program and you could still partner up with OneFlow, but we didn't have a dedicated partner manager. So I would 
uh, hire uh, the resources to actually do it sooner. Uh, maybe not, you know, straight from the start, uh, but probably like around the time that I, uh, well, six years ago then. I took over the partner team three years ago. Uh, and that's really when we started putting the proper resources into getting proper results. So in three years, we've gone from one person, which was me, to six people, uh, seven actually, because we also have a partner marketing manager. And yeah, so I, I would put the proper resources into it sooner because it takes time to build a successful partner ecosystem. And if you you know, want results, you have to have people doing the actual work. The results is not going to come from themselves. I love it. So completely different question, but one question that we always ask in the end of uh, each episode. So what's one learning or insight that has significantly changed your perspective on business and or life in the recent years, month, whatever time frame you want to have it in? But I think I have a very uh, unique perspective in the sense that I've been with one for such a long time, which is quite uncommon in, in the SaaS startup world. Uh, you know, we were five people when I joined the company. We're 220 with offices in seven countries today. So it's that in itself has been a huge learning experience. Uh, but we've also had a pandemic and an economic crisis uh, on top of that. So I think, you know, the biggest learning is, is that like there's so many things that I won't be able to control, that we won't be able to control, that is going to affect our growth uh, and how our journey looks like. And to accept that and maybe even sort of leverage it as uh, uh, something potentially creatively positive, I think has been my biggest learning. Like, don't get scared when the boat rocks. The boat will rock and you can't control it. How you deal with the fact that the boat is rocking is what's going to make it or break it for you. I love it. Emily, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for taking your valuable time to be on this podcast. So where can people find you if they want to reach out, if they want to learn more about you and want flow? Yeah, you are more than welcome to reach out. So send me a message on LinkedIn. You find me under Emilia Janis, or if you're a partner professional and part of uh, the society or EUPC, please uh, send me a Slack message in one of those channels. And uh, I'm happy to discuss partnerships in more detail. Awesome. Thank you very much, Emilia. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us on this episode of A Slice of SaaS. I really hope you found Emilia's insights on partner programs valuable and inspiring. And if you liked the episode, it would really mean the world to me if you gave us a five-star rating so that more people can find this podcast. We're just getting started and your help would be super, super appreciated. We have some very interesting conversations lined up for you. And the next one is with Andreas Brekstad, who is leading revenue operations at Memory. Until next time.